Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job explains what praying with faith really means. If I have faith in faith, then I think that if I can boost my faith up, then I can get whatever I want. But if my faith is in a person, then I know that I can believe God, but ultimately I have to trust Him for the results that He thinks is best for me. Welcome to Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Mark, yesterday you began this message about what it takes to have powerful prayer from James chapter 5. So good to learn this. Today, you're approaching this from the angle of faith. Yeah. In this passage, James says specifically, and the prayer offered in faith. Mm -hmm. He mentions prayer, but, you know, that means that we can pray without faith. And so what's the difference between praying with faith and just praying. So you're going to learn that today. Let's get started then with part two of this lesson titled Powerful Prayer. Here's our Bible teacher, Mark Job. So first of all, you need to know the approach to prayer. If you're in trouble, supplication. If you're happy, learn to praise. If you're sick, learn to come before the elders and anoint them and be anointed with oil and being prayed over. Number two, not only do you need to learn the approach to prayer, but you need to learn prayer power. Learn to operate with a measure of transformative faith when you pray. Notice what he says in verse 15. And the prayer offered in what? Say it together. And the prayer offered in what? In faith. Will make the person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I want you to notice that it's the prayer offered in faith. Not just the prayer offered, but the prayer offered in faith. Prayer and faith go hand in hand. To pray but not to have faith is like having a flashlight without a battery. It looks good, but it doesn't work. Or like having a car without a gas tank full. It looks like a great car, but it won't get you anywhere. Or like having a vacuum cleaner that's not plugged in. All the parts are there, but it lacks power. Faith is the prayer, the energy, the power that causes it to access the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he says, and the prayer of faith, early on in the chapter in James, he says, If you're going through a trial or a situation that's difficult, you need to come to God and ask God for wisdom. But when you ask, you must ask believing, because if you doubt, you're like the wave of the sea tossed back and forth, a double-minded person. You should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. In other words, when you pray but you don't believe, then don't expect your prayers to have much effect. What James is saying is that even in the instance of someone that needs healing or a major breakthrough, that we need to offer our prayer in faith. You say, well, pastor, what exactly is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's a biblical definition of faith. Or what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us, 
that if you come to God, you must first of all believe that he is. In other words, you have to believe that this deity called God exists, that he not only is a deity called God, but that he is the God of the Bible with all power and authority to accomplish his purposes here on earth. So you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In other words, you have to believe that God exists and you have to believe that if you press into God, that he will actually reward you, that you will receive from God that which he wants you to receive. That's what faith is. And so he tells us in this passage that when your prayer is offered in faith, that it can make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. And if they have sinned, they will also be forgiven. Now, I want to offer a word of caution here. Because I've been around a long time and I've seen people pray for the sick wrong and I've seen people pray for the sick right. I want to make sure that you understand that our, that our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in God. Some people have faith in faith. They believe, well, if I just believe enough. I'm going to look in my mirror and say, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, you're sick, aren't you? You I don't name it, I don't say it, I don't claim it. I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm healed, I'm healed. You try to force yourself to have faith. You think that your faith can manipulate the God of the universe. Listen, our faith is never in faith. Our faith is in a person. He is the sovereign God of the universe. Do you understand the difference? If I have faith in faith, then I think that if I can... If I can boost my faith up, then I can get whatever I want. But if my faith is in a person, then I know that I can believe God, but ultimately I have to trust Him for the results that He thinks is best for me. There's a lot of people that get in a lot of trouble when they have faith in faith instead of faith in God. Especially when it comes to sickness. I have seen God move and heal people in miraculous ways, but I've also prayed for people that die. And you say, well, pastor, does that shake your faith in God? Not at all. Because my faith is not in faith, my faith is in God. And think about it for a second. If God answered our prayer every time someone was sick, and every time we prayed that they would be healed and that they wouldn't go, then we would have people that are four or five hundred years old because none of us want to let go of anybody. Well, she's 95. I think she's ready to meet the Lord. No, I know she's got a lot more life in her. Maybe she's ready. I think back about five or six years ago when a friend of ours that many of you knew that was a part of this church became a believer here at this church, had a pretty powerful conversion out of a gang background. His name was Vince Garica. And he was diagnosed with, with uh, cancer, aggressively growing cancer, stage four cancer. Tumors in his body, riddled in his body. And when we first found out about it on Father's Day, we had him give a testimony. So he stood up here on Father's Day and he gave a testimony of the fact that he had cancer in his body and he was believing and praying that he would overcome this cancer. But even if he didn't, he would still bless and give honor and glory to God. 
He battled cancer ferociously, fought it with all his might, had four children and a wife. People prayed over him. We prayed over him. Many people come and just declared over him, you know, you're healed and just walk in it, claim it, uh, you know, declare it, brother. You're going to stand up and you're going to walk all well in meaning, all well intention, praying over him. The body prayed over him, but he, he seemed to get worse with his cancer. And I'll never forget, I sat down and talked to Vince when he was somewhat discouraged about his faith. And he was saying, Pastor, maybe it's I don't have enough faith. And I took, him to Jan- I took him to Hebrews chapter 11. And I said, Vince, I want you to look at this chapter with me. Hebrews chapter 11 is the Faith Hall of Fame. A few months ago, I was able to visit for the first time ever in my life, Canton, Ohio, which is the Football Hall of Fame. And if you go into one of the rooms there, they have the bus, the heads of all these famous football players. These were all the heroes of, of football going way back. Hebrews 11 is the faith hall of fame. It mentions in Hebrews all these men and women that were heroes of faith. But if you read Hebrews chapter 11 carefully... You'll discover in the first part of Hebrews that it talks about people that miracles occur in their life. Because of their faith, they shut the mouths of lions. Because of their faith, they overcame. Miracles happened. They raised the dead. They saw things supernaturally happen. And we're all like, yeah, I want to have that kind of faith. And then it says, and others. Others were killed, sawn in two persecuted, driven to caves. And on this, on this world, they did not see the answer to their prayer. They received the answer to their prayer on the other side. They're both listed as heroes of faith. Some believe God and God gave them a miracle and they were able to celebrate the supernatural miracle. Others had to have faith to take them through a trial that only faith could sustain them through. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? The day before Vince died, I went to the hospital to see him. He was extremely thin. And he knew that his time was drawing close. And in his weak voice, he said, well, maybe, you know, maybe I should have had more faith. I said, Vince, to me, you are a hero of faith. I would have preferred that God would heal you and that you would dance out of this place and everybody would say, look at what God has done. But that faith has sustained you. You have witnessed to every person that's come in your room. You've given God the glory. You've kept your attitude in the right place. You've trusted God. The same faith that's required to heal someone is required to take them through a difficult spot. So in my book, you are a hero of faith. I say this because I just want to be cautious. I want us to be careful uh, when someone is sick that we not toss it up to maybe you're sick because you don't have enough faith. Because Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. 
And so we ultimately go to God. I believe that God heals. I believe that God can heal instantly, progressively, but I believe that ultimately He always heals because we're given a new body, uh, new body at the resurrection. But I want us to understand that He says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now He makes a relationship between sometimes our sickness and our sin. And the Bible does indicate that sometimes people are sick because of their sin, but not always. Sometimes you're sick just because you shook someone's hand and they had germs and you got a cold. And you can't blame it on having an atti- a bad attitude the week before. So, number one, the prayer approach. Number two, the prayer power. Number three, the prayer position. Learn to position yourself to pray in powerful ways. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job on Bold Steps. We'll continue with today's message, Powerful Prayer, in just a moment. But first, we want to remind you that you can easily access these messages anytime by going online to boldstepsradio.org. You can also listen while you're out on the go by subscribing to our podcast. Just go to your podcast app and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Joe, Or listen through the popular Moody Radio app. For more details on any of these listening options, just visit our website. Again, that's boldstepsradio.org. And while you're there, feel free to share any questions or encouraging comments you might have for Mark by simply clicking on the tab labeled Ask a Question. Now, let's get back to our message for today. In verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He says, since God heals and has the power to heal us and do the miraculous, then we need to make sure that we are confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other so that we can experience healing. I want you to hear me well what I'm saying and, not, and what I'm not saying. We confess our sins to each other not to be forgiven, but to be healed. Some of you grew up in a tradition in which you felt that in order for your sins to be forgiven, you had to confess it to a pastor, a rabbi, or a priest. I want you to look around this auditorium and tell me if you see a confessional in this auditorium. Go ahead, just in case. I know that camera booth looks like a confessional, but it's not. It's just a camera booth. Let me tell you why there's not a confessional. Because I believe in the confessing of sins to one another, but I do not believe in the confessing of sins to a pastor or a priest For the forgiveness of our sins. I believe that Jesus the Christ is the one that has the power to to forgive us and not a person, a man, or a woman, or a clergy on this earth. You see, the great thing about having access to God 24 hours a day, some of you grew up believing that your sins were piling up until your next confession. So if you went two months without a confession, you had a lot of pile of sins, and if you died, you were in trouble. 
So you had to confess often so you wouldn't pile them up. Let me tell you that there is a confessional wherever you go if you believe in what Scripture says because when you are on the orange line going downtown and you are hanging on, there is a confession booth right on the orange line. You say, Lord, forgive me because I really messed up with my wife this morning and I was angry and irritated. Please, I confess it. I know it's wrong. I repent of it. And you have just been to the confessional on the orange line. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. In other words, it is not me. You say, well, pastor, I'm waiting to confess my sins to you. I don't really want to hear your sins. I'm sure there's a lot. Some of you look like you've piled a lot up. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that we have direct access to God through his son, Jesus Christ, and it is him who forgives us. We confess our sins to one another. Who is one another? The person beside you. Look at the person beside you and say, you are one another. You know what it says? Confess your sins to people around you. If you're a sister, confess it to a sister. If you're a brother, confess it to a brother. Confess it to someone that's around you. Why? So that you can be forgiven? No, so that you can be healed. Some of us have been forgiven, but we haven't been healed. Because... You've confessed it to God and you've received the forgiveness of God, but you still walk around with the woundedness in your spirit and you're not healed in your heart. Maybe you had an abortion 15 years ago and you've cried out to God and said, God, forgive me. I took the life that was inside of me. I was, it was a bad time in my life. I, I just I made bad choices, and I feel guilty about it every time that birthday comes around. Forgive me, God, but you say, I've asked God to forgive me, but how come I still don't feel whole? Maybe because you've asked God to forgive you, and he has if you've confessed it and repented, but you're not healed from it, because maybe the next step is you need to talk to a couple sisters that can pray over you and pray you through the healing process so that not only are you forgiven, but you're healed. And can I say another word about this? I know I'm getting off ta tangent a little bit, but come on. I, I, feel like, I feel like I got some stuff inside of me that I need to let go because some of you, some of you, some of you have gotten off target in this. Can I say another thing to those of you? If you go to a confessional booth and you are told to do penance, to absolve you of your sin, pray five Our Fathers and three Hail Marys, and you think that praying those prayers as a penance will absolve you from your sin, then what you have just done, you have just spit in the face of Jesus and spit on the cross of Jesus because the moment that you think you can pay for your sin, then you become a huge debtor to pay the entire debt and you cannot pay that debt. The Bible says it's by grace that we're saved through faith, and that's not of our own. Jesus Christ paid the debt in full. It's like you taking on the multi-trillion dollar debt of America, paying a quarter a week to try to pay it off. You'll never pay it off. You cannot pay off the debt for your sin. So if you try to do penance, oh, pastor, I'm in a passion week. I'm going to whip myself on the back to try to pay for my sin. You know what? There was someone that was whipped on the back already for you, and he was holy and pure, and he's paid the price. You can never pay the price. 
Your penance cannot pay it. Stop throwing chump change at God to pay for a debt that you can never pay. Say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness in full, completely. I can never pay it. That's why you need a savior. I feel like I got that out of my system. I feel a little bit better about that. I feel a little bit better about that already. Already. Listen, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but I'm just simply saying what will damn you, and I can use that word in a biblical context without it being a cuss word, what will damn you to an eternity without God is you refusing to accept the full price that Jesus has paid. And the moment you try to pay for it with good works or penance or something that you have done, you become a debtor and, and you are responsible to pay your, for your entire debt and you cannot pay for it. That's why I acknowledge that I am a sinner that's saved by the grace of Jesus and no matter what I do to try to pay for it, I can never pay for it. It is a gift of forgiveness given to to me that I receive full. That's why I want to praise and worship. That's why I want to be at the worship. That's why I want to raise my hands, bow my knee, humble myself before God because my debt has been paid in full. And so he says, confess your sins one to another. And by the way, can I also say this? Confession is not the same as admitting. Confession means that I agree with God about what he says about my sin. Admitting means I acknowledge I did it. You eat the cookie out of the cookie jar. And your wife says, now who did that? I did, so what? <laughs> you've admitted that you did it. That doesn't mean that you've confessed that you did it. You see, confession means that I agree with God. I say, God, I agree with you about how bad my sin is and how grievous my sin is to you and what I need to do about it. The first part agree about agreeing with God is you need to call your sin what God calls your sin. Some of us admit that we made a mistake, but we don't want to call it what God calls it. Because when you confess your sins and then pray one for another so that you will experience the healing that needs to happen to bring about transformation to your life. You're listening to Mark Job here on Bold Steps. If you missed any part of today's message titled Powerful Prayer, be sure to catch up online by visiting boldstepsradio.org. While you're online, be sure to request a copy of our brand new Bold Step gift. Mark is here to say more about it. For any married couple who's listening, I have an important question for you. When you think about your relationship, are you experiencing joy on a regular basis? Or do you often go days or even weeks without sharing a minute of laughter, love, or real connection? Well, believe it or not, kindling those moments of joy isn't always something that just happens. In fact, there are many small relational changes you can start making today to help create more meaningful and regular moments of joy. And to help you do that, I'd like to send you a book titled The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. How 15 minutes a day will help you stay in love, 
This book is loaded with transformational tips and simple exercises for you and your spouse to practice each day. Trust me, a joy-filled marriage is worth the work. Request your copy of this valuable resource today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Once again, the book is called The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. You can receive it when you send your financial gift today by visiting boldstepsradio.org or by calling us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also request your copy of The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages and give your financial gift through the mail by addressing your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And if you've ever given a one-time gift to Bold Steps before, consider becoming a Bold Partner by signing up to give on a monthly basis with whatever amount you feel led to. And if you choose to give $30 a month or more, you'll be automatically qualified for a 50% discount off the retail price on all Moody Publishers resources online. That's 50% off every Moody Publishers purchase. Plus, you'll also receive Mark's exclusive bi-weekly email called the Bold Partner Post, and you'll get a direct connection with Mark through videos and exclusive sermon series. These are just a couple of the ways we say thanks to our Bold Partners, so sign up today on our website, and once again, that's boldstepsradio.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd. that's all our time, but be sure to join us tomorrow when Mark concludes our series on faith that works with the final part of today's message titled Powerful Prayer. It's coming up Friday on Bold Steps. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.